This is Rooted Radio. Hey, and welcome to our Oshkosh Spectacular. It's Matt Jolly. We're hanging out here this week as uh, Warbird Radio continues to roll on. I, it, we're in the 650s right now. And sadly, I didn't plan it better, but R.T. Dixon talking about the P-51 was episode 650. We were just one off, and we could have had him on as uh, episode 651. So uh, anyway, it just shakes out that way sometimes. Glad to have you here on uh, warbirdradio.com. We're back on the air over uh, 650-some-odd episodes now into this. Uh, We are rolling out some of our historic shows uh, in addition to producing these new ones. But I want to go live now to uh, our friend, Lord Bridgewater, who is uh, standing by at AirVenture right now. And uh, he has found himself a comfortable place to relax. And I think he's uh, he's going to be joined shortly by Andy Hines. We'll see if that works out. Lord Bridgewater, welcome back to Warbird Radio. Captain Jolly, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm not, no captain, that is for sure. But you, you are now you're now part of the Royal Aeronautical Society since we last spoke uh, on right. Warbird Radio. Now, I have a real job. I have to wear a tie now to work and everything. It's really quite grown up. A tie uh, and yeah, a tweed for, suit, right? Absolutely, you've got it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I work for the Royal Aeronautical Society, which is in Mayfair in Central London. Um, one of the oldest aviation authority, um, organizations in the world. We formed in 1866, would you believe, Matt? So we predate the aeroplane. Wow. You predate the aeroplane? We do. So we, we go back to the days of ballooning and gliders and people just trying to work out how the heck to get in the air. You know, what, the birds wow. can do it. Why can't we? So we were formed for what was called in 1866 the furtherment of aerology. So I guess that's what like we now that. call aviation. Yeah, but I think f- aerology, that's a word we need to bring back, isn't it? Aerology. The furtherment of aerology. I like that. That has a nice ring to it. So it you, so, the Royal Aeronautical yeah, Society has been doing this a while. And, we'll uh, be doing it a while. And, you know, and our mission is to, to look at anything which is new in emerging technologies. And, you know, we also own the National Aerospace Library, which is down at Farnborough. Yeah, you're familiar with the Farnborough Air Show. We've got a, a big aerospace library there full of books and every possible magazine you can imagine and lots of memorabilia and books and artifacts. But I was down there quite recently and looking at the sales ledgers for our magazines. We are, Our magazine is called Aerospace now, but it goes right back to those early days. And I happened to pick up the sales ledger for the 1903 edition, so March 1903. Who'd subscribed to our magazine, looked down, and there was a subscription from the Wright Cycle Company in Dayton, Ohio. Isn't that That's amazing? March 1903. So I like to think that maybe we had a little bit of influence in um, them, them reading our journal and seeing what research was going on around the world. And maybe maybe the Brits paid a little bit of a help. What is the, uh, what is the opinion? I, we'll just throw this gauntlet down right now. What's the opinion on Gustav Whitehead and the Royal Aeronautical Society? Was he covered at all back then? I would need to go and check, but let me get back to you on that on a different podcast. I think that's probably worth us talking about in more detail when I've actually got the got the stuff to hand because I think you know there's a lot of really interesting stuff in those magazines. You can send um, your hate mail, by the way, to P.O. Box one four three, the Royal Aeronautical Society. No, but it's it's worth talking about. I mean, that would be interesting to see if they covered it at all back then. I mean, we've we've got a lot of stuff from George Cayley. Who, you know, if you're not from the UK, you may not have heard of George Cayley. But George Cayley was a a real pioneer in aerospace and one of the first people that realized that an aircraft needed to have. The, the, the direction of flight, you know, whether it was yaw or pitch or roll. 
and he created a glider back in the 1850s. And, and this was something which, um, obviously, he was a, a landowner in the, in the north of England and uh, developed this, this crazy idea for a, a glider which had got four wheels. It was like a cart with a little bit of wings on it. Uh, no real sense of control other than, I guess, what you'd call weight shift now, like a weight shift ultralight. Yeah. Um, but obviously, being the, you know, the gentleman of the, of the manor and the lord, lord of the squire, that he didn't want to fly this thing himself, so he sent his coachman down the hill. <laughs> and uh, so it, it, it hopped off the ground and um, yeah, it was one of the, the very first gliders that would have flown, and certainly that, um, that wasn't aero-towed into the air. But the, the famous story that it, it was recorded by his granddaughter, who was there at the time, is apparently his, his coachman immediately quit his job as he got to the bottom of the hill and said, I was employed to drive horses, not to fly aeroplanes. There you go. Well, uh, we've all seen the movie Weekend at Bernie's. Uh, it is Bernie's week this week at Air Venture. It's the, the year that Bernie is probably the most popular pilot up there. Uh, let's talk about everything that he's brought, because I know it's been a big week. And and Bernie just keeps dragging airplanes up there. Um, hey, hey, yeah, and, yeah. If anything's going to go home with awards this week, it's got to be the P forty seven and Thunderbird, the P fifty one. I'm currently sat at the Vintage Cafe, looking out across at Thunderbird. You know, yeah, the Jimmy Stewart's old P fifty one in this beautiful cobalt blue, highly polished scheme. And I got here um, on Sunday morning, and Thunderbird had already arrived and. Yeah, I'm not saying it was a fresh restoration, but if you stood downwind of this, Matt, you could smell the lacquer. It was that fresh. You know, it, was, it smelt of... And, and I promise you, that's not exaggerating. No, I... I yeah. on this thing. We've all <laughs> seen the pictures and we've all seen the uh, the progress that that aircraft has made uh, just in the yeah. last few weeks. I mean, this was down to the wire. It's another yeah. AirCore uh, restoration, and it's just phenomenal. The Eric's and their entire team up there just do such a great job. And the P-47, the same story... All eyes are on it this uh, this week as we uh, eagerly await the the awards. But uh, what a what a great thing! Uh, what did you think of it up close? Oh, it's it's just honestly, it's faultless. The the, the P forty seven, even down to the stamps and the uh, you know the stenciling on on the tailplane, little individual stencils, which you know it's very very easy to miss. The little sort of copyrighted Thunderbolt uh, stencils that were put on by by the Republic Factory. It is as it had just rolled off the factory factory line um but yeah. yeah i just want to get back on the thunderbird for a second because bernie flew it in the display last night matt um and yeah bring this is a new aeroplane it it you know it came absolutely howling in on its first pass as though it was trying to win the bendix trophy you know this this thing was really really motoring and it was great to see it flown with you know pistache and um, or panache and gusto i think we would be probably probably phrase it as but lovely airplane and flown by bernie just brilliant as you would imagine bernie would do yeah he, he doesn't mess around does he of course oh, uh, absolutely. we're talking about bernie there the uh, the chief pilot uh, for all things cool at oshkosh this year and you know bernie's reached single name status now <laughs> there's oprah and there's bernie and then there's there's yeah. a few more uh yeah, yeah. A legend, so, a real legend. Well, he's um, yeah, he's just I, a great guy, and he's living proof that if you learn how to work on these things and you learn how to fly them, uh, there's going to be plenty yeah. of opportunities. And everybody just, you know, they always say, well, how do you do this and how do you how do you get these opportunities? And the answer is you just keep showing up. Absolutely, yeah, and that's like the same wherever you are in the world. You know, back in the UK, you know, we, we've got the Shuttleworth collection, you know, big collection of vintage aeroplanes going right back to a 1909 Blerio. Um, and Jean-Michel Munn, who's the, the, the chief engineer, is actually flying the aeroplanes there now. 
and the really complex things like the, yeah, the de Havilland DH-88 Comets, you know, the twin-engine red Comet that flew from London to Australia in 1934 for the air race. That thing's a real handful. Uh, but John's worked his way up from engineering to chief engineer to actually you know, flying some of these most complex of aircraft. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, we've said it before, Matt, but, yeah, you put the hard work in and it's rewarded. Well, the Connie's going to be there any 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 day now, I guess, if it's not already there well, now. No, it had an engine problem yesterday. It was due to arrive Monday. Right. Uh, flew up to Mad- Madison on, I think, Friday or Saturday. Uh, and they uh, were hoping to arrive at the start of the Monday flying display, but they taxied out at Madison, and they had to shut down number three and taxi back in. So uh, we are waiting on Ted Hooks at the moment, hoping they're going to get the thing fixed. So uh, I believe the next plan is to get it in on Wednesday. Yeah, so we're recording this on Tuesday at the moment. Um, so it'll be hopefully in for tomorrow, just in time for the night show. Uh, and then the plan is to depart on Friday. But again, another aeroplane that you would like to think is in contention for an award of some description. It's, it's uh, it you know, what, a, what an epic restoration. <laughs> right. Years out there in uh, in Chino with the Hinton family, uh, who, by the yeah. way, uh, we've reached out to Karen and to Steve and Steve-O. And Karen, of course, uh, you know, will gladly come on and schedule us. A great interview with that. So we'll have all of those details. We actually recorded an interview uh, with the, uh, I guess, with Stu Dawson right after they ferried it uh, the mm-hmm. first time. So now we'll we'll have the continuation there, which ought to be really cool to have uh, sort of I mean, the complete story. It, absolutely. And it's such a great thing to see, you know, that to, to restore an aeroplane of that complexity and that size and needless to say that expense in today's world. I mean, that's, that's really... Yeah, we've got the likes of Rod Lewis to thank for funding aircraft like that because that's that brings pleasure to everybody who sees it. That's right. There's more billionaires in a trailer park this week in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, <laughs> than anywhere in the world, and that's that the great it. thing. You've, you've friends with money, and especially who like warbirds are a great thing this time of year because Oshkosh is one of those rare places where everybody just shows up, and you don't know if you're talking to, uh, I mean, you don't, know if you're talk- you don't know who you're talking to up there. They're just an airplane fanatic and someone that appreciates it as much as you do. Talk to me about the crowd this year. What are we seeing at Oshkosh? It's a, bu- it's a busy show. Um, I mean, the, the weather is great. We've, we've got smoke blowing down from Canada at the moment, so the visibility is not great, but it's warm. Um, I think it's due to get quite hot on Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, up uh, into the 90s, but uh, there's a lot of people. I don't think, I mean, I, I was here Sunday for the uh, the arrivals. I don't think I've seen Sunday that busy. And I mean, I've been coming to EAA now for 20 years, and it, it just seems to have a buzz about it this year. I think not just the fact that we, yeah, we've, we've, we're all anticipating the P-47 and Thunderbird and the Constellation. People just seem to be happy to be on an airfield. You know, we, we, we're in that post-COVID era. You know, we're... We, Last year was the first one back where international travel was allowed, um, and I came across for it. And it, it, it was a great show. People were glad to be back. But I think with restrictions now completely lifted, people are a lot more confident now to travel. There's a big international contingent here. I said a lot of South Africans, a lot of Germans. Um, uh, yeah, I was flying Legends Air Show in the UK a couple of weeks ago um, before we came out here. And um, a great story, Matt, of how Warbirds bring people together. I got out in the car parking lot at Flying Legends, and the guy in the car next to me was from Sweden. Never met him, got chatting to him as we walked to the gate. Spent the entire weekend with this guy. He was staying in the same hotel, so we had dinner together. And we were sat on the flight line, and to our left, there were four French guys. To our right, there were some Germans and Swiss. And we'd all got something in common. Yeah, we'd all travelled to this event to see World War II aircraft. And it's... uh, for me, I think that's 
what embodies this industry that we're part of. Doesn't matter whether you're at Flying Legends, doesn't matter whether you're at Reno, doesn't matter whether you're at EAA. You're just surrounded by like-minded people from wherever they are in the world. So, I think it's uh, yeah, fantastic. It's a really good atmosphere. It was yeah. so wonderful to have you back on the show, and I, I know you're you're going to be a regular because I'm not going to let you off the hook, and I'm just going <laughs> to keep know, the calling. Problem is, Matt, you know where to find me, don't you? No I escape. do. Yeah, and Lady Charlotte, we got to have her back on now that she's like a multiple published author and darling of the warbird business. Uh, we got <laughs> to have her very back well on. Remember yeah, her win, Dave. you know. Just remember her win. That's all. That's all we can that's say. It. That's Let's it. talk you to your it. your your running buddy who's sitting there beside you and fellow aviator and warbird. I, <laughs> just introduce us. Uh, if yeah, you don't I, mind. I've got a good friend. Yeah, I've got a good friend of mine tagging along here at, at Oshkosh this year. Is Ollie Wilden. So Oliver and I have known each other now for God far too many years. I'm afraid dozens, dozens, dozens. Uh, so Oliver's. Um, Flies everything from a, um, the, you know, the, the Holland Nats and the L29 Dolphin in the UK down to the, you know, the, the, the mean and, and very difficult to fly, as I'm sure you'll agree, Matt, the chipmunk. Yes. The very Ollie, Ollie Nats, fire-breathing not, chipmunk. Shall I just leave you with Ollie Nats chat as the chipmunk, <laughs> no, brother? And, I think um, it's great. You know, I'll, I'll just go off to the bar or something and let you guys talk aeroplanes. Well, what, what kills me is that he just, you know, he said, hey, uh, what about magneto parts? And I'm thinking... Who flies those magnetos anymore? But Oliver, a very brave man and a man who likes to keep things authentic. So, oh, I think the UK, the UK is slightly different in that, and um, particularly due to the regulation, is they like they like the things the aircraft in the UK to be kept authentic. Um, very few of the chipmunks in the UK have been re-engined with Lycomings or whatever, which you find yeah. a lot in in, in the US. Well, and so, yeah, we just like a, to put a, new mags on them and put the slick magnetos on them, but that's mine is still an original engine, but yeah, those mags, yeah, they're, they're getting yes. harder and harder to find parts for, like everything else. Uh, but yeah, there, there are still some parts available for those here in the U.S., and uh, be happy to talk to you about that. What's your experience this year at Oshkosh? Alia, what are you, what are you um, thinking about out there? This is my this is my third trip to Oshkosh. Um, it's the first one since COVID, uh, and as Steve said, I think there's a real a good vibe and a, and a buzz about this place this year um, from the from the previous times I've been here. But, so this is the, this is the only the second time that I'll have come for the whole week. The first time I came again with Steve, and he introduced me to Oshkosh. Probably some. I don't know, maybe it was seven years ago or something like that. Maybe. It was 11 years ago. Was it 11 years 11 ago? 11 years ago. Oh, my God. How old am I? Uh, 11 years ago, and I was my socks were blown off thoroughly by, by, by being here the first time for a whole yeah. week. And I, I think in the whole week, I never grew tired of it. I might have grown a little bit hot and sweaty, but I never grew, grew tired of it. The last time I was in business in the States over on the West Coast, and I, I flew back into here. And uh, Steve picked me up, and, and I had a, was lucky enough to have a couple of impromptu days here, and that was great too. But um, I think it's re- I think it's recovered, you know. I mean, I don't know what it was like um, immediately post COVID last year, but this this thing feels as vibrant as it was the first time I came. Um, the first time I came, by the way, was the, the thing that blew my socks off most here was it was the anniversary of the Piper Cub. Um, you may remember oh, that. Yeah. And um, I never knew that that many Piper Cubs were even built, let alone could fly to Oshkosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. There were, there were lots there, of there them. Were fields, there were fields of them, fields of them. I, I, it was just amazing. In the UK, we have this um, we have this crop that they grow, agricultural crop called um, rapeseed oil. You, you probably have it over here too. And, and it's bright yellow um, for most of the year. And, and as, I, as I looked out over the flight line where all of these cubs were, it was just like looking out uh, over a, a field of this crop. Just blew, just blew my mind, Matt. 
I think that's great. Well, listen, we're going to have to have you back on to talk about fallen gnats and all those kind of... You intentionally fly a gnat, which I think is really great. I mean, there are very few vintage jet pilots who who are brave enough to operate that aircraft, and, and you do, and you do it well. So. Well, it's, it's, it's a handful, but I think that we have the added advantage, or maybe common sense, that in the UK, we have to... All, all ex-military aircraft that are swept wing... Uh, it's mandated that you fly with um, live ejection seats. And I think that's a very sensible move. I know there are some people over here that operate ex-military jets without live ejection seat cartridges, which which is fine to, to some extent, perhaps. But when you're into the high-performance wet wing uh, area, I, I think I think it's a, a little bit foolhardy in my mind. Well, the roll rate on that thing is so incredible. I, I mean, it'd be like just take a, a wild guess at when to eject if you had that thing in some type of incredibly fast oscillation or what i don't know i mean it's a, it's a it is a very very quick airplane so yeah it's um of course it was used by the aerobatic team the, the uk aerobatic team the red arrows from when they were first formed in 1964 through till about 1979 so it lasted quite a while with them and that, that it, it's a really uh, highly suited aircraft to um high performance aerobatics because it was actually not designed as a trainer so it was actually probably not a great trainer because it was designed as a fighter but the good news is, is when you put it into an aerobatic team, it performed as you would want it to perform. And in fact, in actual fact, the roll rate was restricted. When they turned it into a trainer, they put a fuse, a fuse in uh, that actually restricted the, uh, with solenoids, restricted the, the, the movement of the stick at higher speeds. So anything above about 170 knots, the, uh, the restrictors go in and you can only get half, about half aileron travel. But um, the people in the Red Arrows back in the day, our display team, figured this out. And they, uh, they, they, the, 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 fuse, the fuse in question that controls this roll rate is called um, Fuse 13. And so Fuse 13 was removed by the yeah. Red Arrows back in the day. It and failed. they could get. Uh, well, they removed it. To, so there's an interesting story about this. They, it's apocryphal. I, I think it's true. Uh, is that they removed the fuse 13 and they got a roll rate of over 400 degrees a second, I think, <laughs> which is pretty good. Uh, and then, and, and yeah. then the, uh, the the powers that be in the uh, Royal Air Force said, no, you can't do that. You have to put the fuse back in. And so uh, they had mm. a think, and they uh, they went to the chief tech and they said, hey, all those fuses, can you blow them and put them back in? There you go. Problem solved. So then, right? So that was the problem solved. They complied with the regulation and they carried on with a, a, a hugely impressive roll rate for the rest of the uh, the time the Red Arrows operated. At least that's the apocryphal story. I love it. Even if it's not true, I still love it. And you never want to get in the way of a good story. So uh, that's one to that's yeah. one to share around the loving cup if it hasn't already been done uh, there in the in the <laughs> guild hall, Steve. A quick question before we have to let you guys get back to your lunch and run off. We're, we're going to be joined by Andy Hines in just a few minutes, who's on the other end of the field. He's actually down in Warbirds. Uh, right now, he said, or he'd be joining you uh, there at the table. But the Dam Busters, such a, a, an important part of, of World War II history. And, and Oliver, I know that you have a project uh, that you're working on right now that is, that is very closely tied uh, to the Dam Busters. Could you just break a little news here uh, from Air Venture and from your table there on Warbird Radio and share with us a little bit about this, this special project that you're working on? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so this this project, as you'll hear in a minute, is kind of caught up in quite a lot of bureaucracy. But um, essentially, this stems from, as you probably know, um, with air forces around the world shrinking, um, the air force in the UK, the Royal Air Force, is not exempt from that. 
And so they've actually had their budgets cut and they've slowly been consolidating and shutting down uh, bases that could be argued to be surplus to requirements. And so about four years ago, uh, the base uh, called RAF Scampton, uh, and we'll come to the kind of history of that in a minute, was, um, was, was, was scheduled to be shut down and disposed of by the Ministry of Defence uh, and to recover some money for the, for the government. Uh, and, and reduce costs. And so we thought at that time, uh, myself and about three other like-minded individuals, that this this airfield cannot go the same way that all of the other airfields in the UK have gone when they've been disposed of. Uh, and that is, they end up being built, uh, being bought up by property developers, and they either end up as industrial estates with warehouses, or they end up as housing estates. And Scampton in particular, is probably the most famous base in the UK, as you point out, because of the, the dam busters, which was the daring raid right. um, to, to, to blow up the Mona and other dams um, in Germany in the Second World War. Uh, but also, it had been a base um, since the days of the Royal Flying Corps, you know, like back in sort of 1914, 18. Um, and so it's had a plethora of aircraft operated out of it. Um, it. In fact, it was very important and instrumental in the Cold War when... Um, the nuclear deterrent in the UK, the mutually assured destruction, um, was main, was managed by the Air Force, and there was an aircraft called the Vulcan bomber, oh, the yeah. Avro Vulcan, and they operated from Scampton as well. Um, and so, so that that aircraft, that that, that airfield has been at the forefront of um, technology and operational intent since it was formed. Really, whether it's the Second World War with the Dambusters, whether it was the Cold War with the Vulcan, and then more recently, it's been the permanent home to the British um, aerobatic display team, RAFAT, uh, no, otherwise known as the, the Red Arrows. And they've only just moved out about six, six to nine months ago. And so we, did, we came up with a plan that we needed to rescue this base and do something useful with it. So we've spent the last four years putting a company together, coming up with a master plan with the local, um, the local council, the local authorities, um, to, to redevelop it into a high-tech hub encompassing heritage, education, high-tech research and manufacturing with an ultimate intent to put the UK back on the map for um, space flight uh, and satellite deployment. Um, we were going to work with the now, uh, now defunct Virgin Orbit uh, to use it as a horizontal launch base for low-cost access to space. And so um, there was this huge plan for the place which was uh, approved and we've been selected as the, uh, as the preferred buyer for the site uh, and then the um, uh, the guys to effectively effect this master plan and then at the last minute sadly and this is the stage that we're at at the moment which we can't talk too much about but the the central government in the UK uh, because it has as, as you have in the US with certain uh, borders the UK has an issue with migrants coming across the English Channel from from France and it's it's currently you know taking on board about a thousand migrants a week or more uh, and it, it's struggling to house them and so there's sort of an emergency measure being effected by the government to house these uh, these migrants which are currently being put up in hotels at great cost to to put them on ex-military bases and so the government's um, decided that it might not sell this site to us and uh, and that it might actually put about 2,000 migrants on, on this site which is of great historical importance so you can imagine that people in the UK are somewhat up in arms about this right now um, and I think, I think from a political perspective, um, given that we're in court against the government right now in the UK, I think we probably 
probably best not comment on that any further. I don't have that kind of insurance, so uh, that's that's great. But it's a it's a great story, and it's a great historic endeavor that you're working towards to uh, to sort of preserve an airfield uh, and and have it, as you said, as a as a center for commerce and technology there uh, in the UK. So well done, Ollie. And I, listen, Oliver, I hope you come back on with us and seriously talk about the fallen gnat. And uh, we can even talk some chipmunks, so it'll be fun. Yeah. Oh, and also, just so this to whet your appetite, I've um, we, you talked about chipmunks and, uh, and how I've been flying that for a while and the uh, the issues of old technology and that. I've actually gone one older than that. Earlier this year, I bought a, an Oster. There you go. Which nobody in the U.S. <laughs> what a cool airplane. Nobody in the U.S. probably, probably no. knows what an Oster is. Absolutely. Love that airplane. What a cool airplane. And, uh, yeah, my, my hat's off to you. i got to come over there and fly with you. It'd be a lot of fun. I'm looking You're always, to always welcome, Matt. We can get you up in, uh, in in one or more of them anytime you come over. Just give uh, me a call. That'd be great. I'm looking forward to it. Lord Bridgewater, you still there? Thank you so much. It's always great yeah, to... Yeah, I'm halfway through my burger, Matt. Good. Yeah, well, thanks for joining us. I'll play your theme music as we roll on into uh, a quick commercial break, and then we'll be back with Andy Hines. But Lord Bridgewater, thank you for being here, and Oliver, thank you. Good to talk to you, my friend. I'll see you soon. So long, Lock and load. This is Warfare Radio. Tune in. Take off. Reminding you that radio engines don't leak oil. They just mark their territory. This is Warfare Radio. Tune in. Take off. And welcome back here to Warbird Radio. Matt Jolly, the sound of the P-40 starting up. That just means... We're getting fired up again. Andy Hines, the man who is uh, pretty much never excited, uh, is on the phone with me right now from the Warbird area uh, there at, at Oshkosh. You can hear the helicopters going over, and you can hear Andy's excitement just pouring out of him right now. Andy, how are you, bud? Glad to, glad to hear you. Well, I'm doing great, Matt. I really am. Are you? You know? Yeah. I'm, yep, I'm, I'm so convinced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so convinced. Oh my god. You know goodness. it's it's lonely walking around without Hartman. Yeah, well he's working this week over there. I would have we would have touched base with him, but the, the big news is that the Hartman and Hines show is coming back uh to Warbird Radio and I'm very excited about that. We'll have a, an episode coming out very soon, uh, a new episode of Hartman and Hines. Well, that'd be great. I'm looking forward to it. You know, when I when I told Mike about that, he was enthusiastic. Yeah. Well, Mike's always he said, enthusiastic. That is great. Well, he is. So we're he gonna is. have we're well, gonna have some any shows. Any one of his personalities could be enthusiastic. You never not. You never sure. Well, it's a fan favorite on Warbird Radio, and I know a lot of your uh, your your old listeners are gonna be really happy that you guys are back with your fresh perspective on everything. Hartman <laughs> Hartman is now an air show pilot. Uh, we yep. we joked for years about him selling videos on how to do the air show wave and all that kind of stuff. And secretively, we didn't know this, but he was he was just chomping at the bit to actually become an air show pilot, and now he is. Right. Yep. So yep, that's, that's true. <laughs> so now, well, you know, he's there. You go. He, so much has happened, you know, with Mike since uh, you know our last shows, and uh, you know now you know he flies. Uh, Waco Classic, 
um, works for them, delivering their airplanes, uh, picking airplanes up, teaching the buyers how to fly the airplanes. And then he's the one that delivers, you know, whenever they go to a show with all the different airplanes. Uh, he's one of the pilots, and he's been flying that Junkers. I know. Yeah. Classic. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, so he's doing that, and then he delivers airplanes for rare aircraft in Fairbault, Minnesota, Wacos. You know, they're the, sort of the premier Waco restoration place. And uh, and then he bought himself a North American AT-6 and uh, is hopping rides in that on the weekends. Yeah, he and Wes do a great know? job. And then he has the, the North American Yep. Navion, Navion, which is uh, which is a family favorite, and yours uh, belonged to your late brother Pete. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Just a just a wonderful, wonderful story there with Mike and and how far he has come. You too have progressed. You you have since, I mean, sold your Waco, which I just that's like donating your liver while you're still alive. <laughs> well, but, you know, and and people. People I've asked, you know, they said, how can you, how can you stand it? Said, you know, the, the Heinz family has been involved with Wacos, you know, for almost 70 years and now there's none. Yeah. You know? And you and, said, well, uh, I grew up and I bought a monocoupe. Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> now the monocoupe, I have heard it said maybe a few thousand times by, by one Andy Hines that a monocoupe does not have a red line. You can go as fast right. as that little airplane will will right. pedal, and right. how fast have you pedaled yours? Because I know you've pedaled it very fast. <laughs> Never above the red line that's on the airspeed <laughs> <laughs> to keep people happy. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. No, it it regularly will will do 160, 170. Holy without smokes! Much effort. And that's yeah. on a four banger. I mean, that's let's put this yeah. into perspective. Yeah, that's on a that's on a hundred and twenty five horse Lycoming. Now that's not cruise speed, you yeah. know. I mean, cruise cruise speed's about hundred and twenty five to hundred and thirty. Still faster than know, a chipmunk, Andy. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. You just see a black flash go past. You. I know. And Andy Hines <laughs> waving out the window with that big yeah, yeah. that big grin on his face. Yeah. Well, I think it's <laughs> I think it's fantastic. And and Oshkosh this year for you. How's it going? Well, I'll tell you what, the antique area was basically full yesterday morning. Wow. Normally, there'll be two or three rows that are empty in antiques. It is chocked full. That's just because Dewey brought everything he owns. Yeah, and, yeah. And all of his buddies showed up. and then. Well, you know what? There's 24 Wacos here. Wow. The longest-serving warbird in, in the history of warbirds, wasn't that the Waco? Yes, I, I believe it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Guatemala, there yep. you go. Yep, yep. absolutely. Mm-hmm. See, you're going to learn something for that barroom trivia tonight if you just keep listening to Warbird Radio. Well, listen, it, it's great to hear your voice, and I know you're running around. I don't want to keep you, but thank you for coming on. Are we expecting the first Hartman and Hines show within a month or so? What are we What are we thinking? Yeah, I think so. Whenever Mike's up to it, you know, Mike. Mike is recovering from hernia surgery. Yeah, and he can't he can't even hardly walk, so uh, <laughs> he's in a lot of pain. But um, it's yeah, one of the when side he feels effects. Up to it, 
It's a side effect yeah. of picking up all that, those boxes of money that he's got laying around. That's, that's what well, that is. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And his new <laughs> wife. We didn't even talk about that. I mean, Hartman. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. He got married since all of this. Goodness too. gracious. All right. Yeah. Well, Andy Hines, <laughs> thanks for coming on, buddy. Great to hear your You're voice. You're welcome. Listen. You're welcome. Well, looking forward to it. All right, bud. Talk to you real soon. Y'all stay tuned. Okay. We have a whole lot of great classic Warbird Radio content uh, rolling out literally every day on the website. So go there, warbirdradio.com. Like and subscribe everything on social media. And please, uh, by all means, send over your email address there if you can in the registration window uh, right there at warbirdradio.com. If you signed up before, odds are you're still in the system. Uh, But do us a favor and please go in there and sign up again uh, as we continue to grow the list. And that, that is the easiest way to never miss a show. Uh, is by signing up because, of course, we'll share it. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, Jason Capra's interview is now live. R.T. Dixon is talking about his Choose the Paint Scheme F-86 project. He has two of them. Uh, Some really cool stuff coming out with R.T. Dixon and Swamp Fox. And then there's uh, our interview with Wayne Boggs, the air boss. Uh, It's all there right now at warbirdradio.com. Thanks for so many loyal listeners uh, for so long Uh, literally uh, since 2009 we've been doing this so thanks for coming back and I look forward to talking to you again real soon next week as we continue to roll out episodes here on warbirdradio.com so long for now